No portion of this program will be reproduced without the express written what permission was that of thing? WQAM Beasley Broadcast. I don't mean the big O. I mean, what was that thing he played? The biggest names, the best talent. You're listening Anybody to got Sports any idea Radio what was that? 560 WQAM, yeah. Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Not again, don't worry. What happened, Donald? That was supposed to be the hippest, most witted, hottest to ever open to keep the audience dazzled with sports babble and the heat stats. That was a little bit of a train wreck. <laughs> was it a, it, was, it was a train wreck? Wreck. Sweet, you okay? Okay. No. Got hit by a train. Don't leave me now, Tweet. I need a little bit of dating advice. Advice? I took a girl to dinner last night. I mean, a real one. Didn't work out so good. So good. Why? Well, I uh, I did most of the talking. You know how passionate I am about the heat and hoops, hoops and heat, heat and hoops. I guess it's my homosexual attraction to men's basketball. And, well, uh, she threw her appletini in my face and walked out. Tweet! Tweet! Well, he's a little bit dead. To the log! You know, this reminds me of the time a you Dennis pulled out a ham bowl. He sat there, and tears welling up in his eyes, like the old Indian did. I, too, shed a tear that sparkled like a rainbow on the cheek of a sad child on a rainy day. Shadows of despair hung in the arena as you, Dennis, nursed the pain of a pulled ham bone. You just can't pull a ham bone and not cry. I love men. All kinds of men. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, nothing matters more in my life than being a vacuous, self-interested, homosexual sport hole. A yugga, yugga, yugga. <laughs> oh, I like that last part. Anyway, you won't hear him today. He's off today. He must be traveling with them uh, heat for another uh, embarrassing loss, for another flagellation by somebody. Hey, they won last night. They won a game last night? Correct. All right. All right. Wow. That's 13, right? Unlucky number. That's right. We got the DA on the Jack Show today, and I don't know if he's going to have to do a split duty again. I shouldn't say that, split duty. But uh, the Beast is supposed to be on 9 to midnight, so DA may have to stand by. Because the Beast, I don't know if he's ever going to be on the air again. What do you think? What are you hearing? I'm sure he will. But uh, George is with us today, although his George is back. No, he's not back yet. He's not back yet? No. Get out of here. He's rejoicing and rejoicing and rejoicing. He went out minutes ago. Yeah, about DA, if he has to do a double shift. That'll make two of us today. Double duty. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm running the two to four show today. With the DA. Yeah, I found out yesterday that I was running it today. See, there you go again, sounding really sour. That's what? extra hours for you for crying out loud. It's an extra exactly. four bucks. What are you complaining about? I know. Well, what are you bitching that. about? They had a feeling George wasn't there because uh, I know damn well he would have had something to say about that bit. He's running that back horrible now. Horrible thing that um, he looks about five pounds. Very very what happy. was that? No, it was twelve pounds. Jesus, God Almighty! That's what uh, I said. Must have had a heavy duty, a good uh, Easter Monday. It was heavy duty, all right. Yeah. So was mine, but mine was heavy duty Saturday night. I uh, dodged a bullet there. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing that I uh, went when I did. I didn't. I didn't dodge a bullet. Anyway, this guy's dead. I already told you about it. Too bad, because you would have known right away who he was. Who? 
A former professional wrestler was found dead in his home Sunday after suffering an apparent accidental drug overdose. He's dead. I don't know a lot of the modern oh professional gosh. wrestlers. Roy Tatum told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that his son Chase Tatum, 34, was found dead around 4 p.m. Sunday in his home in Atlanta's Buckhead neighborhood. Huh? Never heard of him. Never heard of Buckhead? Never heard of Chase Tatum. I've been there. Now, is Buckhead worse than a... Uh... Chase Tatum used to wrestle for the now-defunct World Championship Wrestling Organization, which was owned by Atlanta media mogul Ted Turner before it was sold to WWE. More recently, he appeared in the comedy Who's Your Caddy alongside rapper Big Boy of Outcast. Big boy. Chase Tatum had been recovering, so George saw the previews anyway for that movie that I'm all whipped up about, The Covenant. He saw it, at least. Didn't see the movie. Yeah, it didn't look, didn't look very good. It was very good. It was maybe the best movie. I, of all I time. understand. It was very gay. It was, uh, well, it wasn't gay. The movie wasn't gay. But, gay. But, uh, and George also saw Vengeance. Uh, not Vengeance. What is it? Vacancy. Vacancy. All but, and like, the last five didn't, minutes. Didn't see the last five minutes because he went on. You just spent too much time in the tea room, man. That's your problem. Well, that that wasn't the problem there. I mean, I did go for a, a quick one. Yeah. And then I uh, refreshed the drink, and apparently mm-hmm. it took too long doing that. Wandered but, around for yeah. five minutes, came back, and they were rolling really the credits. Wait a minute. Missed the end of the movie. That's really sure. great. So what did you think of what you saw? Oh, it was just fine. I just, obviously, the ending is uh, important. But it was just fine. It was good and suspenseful. I was, uh, you know, compelled, interested. Chase Tatum had been recovering from back surgery to repair a degenerative disc which forced him to retire from wrestling after a two-and-a-half-year career. His father said the former wrestler had been fighting a dependence on painkillers for years but had been planning to enter rehab. Too late now. Roy Tatum said yesterday his son was in the process of getting his life back together. Too late now. Laura Somm, an investigator with the coroner's office, said yesterday a toxicology report has been ordered by the Fulton County Medical Examiner. Chase Tatum was 19 when he won the Mr. Georgia Bodybuilding Competition. He began a career as a personal trainer, which he continued until his death. Well, so Chase Tatum is dead. I never heard of him. I don't, I don't care about that wrestling crap, you know? Oh, you can't say that. Everybody's into wrestling, Neil. Everybody, like, yeah, sure they are. Those people ought to be wrestling yeah. with their cousins. I was when I was a kid. Yeah, so was I. Back when Gorgeous George was right yeah, yeah. I used to have all that campy crap on, uh-huh. you know, when there was almost nothing else on yeah, TV. Yeah, it ain't campy anymore. See, back in the early days of TV, there were a lot of things that were very popular because there was nothing else on. Here's the poll from yesterday. What's your favorite simple pleasure? We had 1,007 votes, and then I uh, bumped it off of there. So we got 653 there. We got a real legitimate shot at 1,000 today during the show. Now, what did we get yesterday during the show, 900? That was quite an accomplishment on a Monday. On yep. Easter Monday, no less. Wow. Taking a nap, 199. Listening to Neil, 195. A little alone time, 185. Cold beer after work, 149. Good book at bedtime, 64. Playing golf, 58. Playing golf. <laughs> oh, my God. Quitting time, 57. Payday, 48. Fishing, 47. And unplugging the ears, 5. Well, you were talking about that last week. Yeah, so. that's, that's not so this, simple. Uh, that's why this person, whoever sent the poll in, put it on there. Only five people oh, said it. It's a machaya. Well, it's not like a, I don't know, not like something you do consciously. It just happens. Unless, of course, you're one of those people that, you know, holds your nostrils and does all those other stands on your head and sticks your head in the toilet. So we had the big O this morning for uh, Joe Rose, and I'm sure he'll be back again tomorrow to do that 8.30 to 10, because Joe has made up a story about how he's now doing the sentencing phase of the jury duty, that he was gone for like weeks and weeks and weeks before, and now he's found a new scam, you know. 
I don't. I bet you there's no inquisition about it either, because he's a sports nerd. You know, the sports nerds they can do whatever they want. Like today, the Yankees traveling with the Heat is that the deal? Uh, I would assume that uh, Jason's traveling with them. Yeah, they're playing in uh, New York tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow? See. Si. So what does he got to leave for today? Well, they always leave a day ahead. Well, why has he got to go? Oh, that's right. He's traveling with the team. team, I guess. Huh? On the team plane, so he can be like part of the team. Uh, George will be fascinated to know that over the weekend uh, he did it on IOD. I guess they had an emergency, and whoever who does the games on radio? Uh, Mike Inglis. He had a well, he must uh, have like emergency. maybe some kind of a problem. It wasn't him. It was a family member that I, I was told, but somebody was ill. Okay, there was Correct. some kind of a problem. We don't want to make light of that unless we have to. And just like Bill O'Reilly said, I don't want to like uh, you know trash, uh, what's her name, Michelle Obama, unless he has to, and I want to lynch her. At any rate, uh, so uh, pressing the service on IOD was jerks to do the play-by-play. I had a spy report saying it was just abominable, but nevertheless. At least he's consistent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. David Edwards and Mike Sheehan on the Raw Story say, McCain, Osama bin Laden and I agree on Iraq. Well, another brilliant comment by the white-haired old geek, the old geezer. John McCain told supporters at a town hall meeting that he, top U.S. commander in Iraq, General David Petraeus, and terror mastermind Osama bin Laden all agree about the Iraq war. As you probably know, an audio tape was released where bin Laden said, and I have to quote bin Laden, the nearest field of jihad today to support our people in Palestine is the Iraqi field. He urged Palestinians and people of Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia to help in support of their Mujahideen brothers in Iraq, which is the greatest opportunity and the biggest task. McCain followed that with, for the first time, I've seen Osama bin Laden and General Petraeus in agreement, and that is the central battleground of the battle against al-Qaeda is in Iraq today. There's another siren for you. Wow, a loud one. Mm-hmm. That's what bin Laden is saying, and that's what General Petraeus is saying, and that's what I'm saying, my friends, said senile old insane McCain. I wonder if Jew Lieberman was sitting on his lap when he said it. The Arizona senator took a swipe at his fall election rivals using a condescending political slur often employed by President Bush. My Democrat opponents who want to pull out of Iraq refuse to understand what's being said and what's happening, and that is the central battleground is Iraq in the struggle against radical Islamic extremism, and my friends were succeeding. Of course, those people weren't there in Iraq before we did the Iraq attack, but he, you know, don't confuse him with the facts. Right, shut up, Connie. Why do you hate him? up all his plans. That's right. Screws up all his arrangements. Oh, here's a poll suggestion. What former QAM host would you like to see back at QAM? Mo Howard, David, Geldy, the Humper, Pharrell, Booster. Well, the Booster has gone off to uh, do uh, the Braves games, I guess. Kenny and Bo, and Engine Killer. Can't remember his name. Defo? I'm sure that's who they mean. Um, no question. Engine Killer. Defo. Well, and then we got the liner on there, too, during the break. Wow, a lot, lots of good stuff coming my way. I doubt it. Join George this Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Gulfstream Park and Casino in Hallandale. Come by for great horse racing, play a little bit of poker, and maybe hit the slots for big money. Plunge your guts out. Plus, enjoy some great food and drinks while George gets ready for the Florida Derby at Gulfstream Friday. All excited about it? I, I am, yeah. Good. Got me a big stack of cash. Going to bet it all. Going to bet the farm. Plunge your lungs. I have a farm, but I'm going to bet it anyway. Remember, toss out the chalk. Just remember I told you that. That's right. I'm going to take lessons. 645 votes on today's poll, which we'll get to after the break, and I'm sure everybody's sitting on the edge of their seats for that. I know I am. I may actually fall off of it. Bill Rogers got Senator John McCain. Yes, sir. Nominee of his party for the 2008 uh, presidential nomination. Guess what? 
I'm not going to support my candidacy. You're an Obama supporter. Absolutely. A supporter of Barack Obama. And he's one of the unique geniuses and great guys. Let's go to some calls. Blackwick, Ohio. Hello. Senator McCain, who was president when you were born? Um, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Seriously? Yes. <laughs> A hundred years? Actually, it's really longer than that. Las Vegas, hello. Senator McCain, what are your thoughts on Senator Clinton? Senator Clinton, look, he's a unique person and a wonderful, wonderful guy, and I'm grateful to have him as a friend. St. Louis, hello. Senator McCain, are you still hooking up with female lobbyists? I am. Uh, let me make it very clear. I welcome it. Why? <laughs> yes. Really? Right, there is nothing more exhilarating. There is nothing more invigorating. Our guest is Senator John McCain. You're watching Larry King Live. We'll be right back. Wow, that was pretty weak if uh, you ask me. I would, but then again, what do I know? 1017 at 560 WQ. You are still there now, aren't you? I'm right here. Okay, well, uh, after what we had happen yesterday, we had all sorts of technical difficulties, man. Considering how I feel today, yeah, uh, at any given uh, moment, I might not be here. What are you talking about? This this is part of what I've been telling you, and you're always in denial about it. You've always either got the Schmitz, or, of course, who am I to talk about that? Now? Right. So you're just, I was just, you're say. just seizing on that opportunity. Okay. I was not, at least I wasn't working during that period of time. Well, my luck. What a gigantic lobby in that Hilton Hotel. I mean, the size of 75 football fields, and I'm looking, where is the parking? Where is the uh -huh. tea room? Where is some help? Help. This is those Easter chickens coming home to roost. There's no question. I see. 656 votes on today's poll. What's the silliest thing about the Brits? The whole royal family thing, 312. That's what I voted, the royals, man. It's just so oh, stodgy and so pretentious and so archaic and outmoded and idiotic. They actually uh, followed us in the war for oil, 126. Their teeth, 62. They drink warm beer, 59. Their obsession with... See, that's spelled wrong. Should be F-U-T-B-O-L. With soccer, 32. The way they talk, 28. They seem to actually care what the French think, 26. And the silly way they say uh, the word bloody. Bloody this and bloody that and bloody Brits and bloody frogs, 13. I kind of like that. Out of 661. What, bloody frogs? Yeah. Yeah, just bloody in general. No, not me. I like my steaks medium well, man. Like the one I had at a great ribeye at Ruth Chris the other night. The only problem is I forgot to tell them, don't butter the steak, because they broil the steaks and butter it with Chris. Mm -hmm. mm. And they broil them at a very high temperature. So they're cooked exactly the way you order it. But I forgot to say, hold the butter. And I also had the frog soup, you know, the French onion soup with the cheese on top. Mm. And mm. I told you what happened to me in Amsterdam when I had that. That's happening to me more and more late in life. Maybe, uh, you know. Maybe I can save the last splurt for when I croak. Wouldn't that be something? Because uh, that's sure. what they say when you croak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your body just lets loose and right. everything just comes uh, <laughs> flying out. But then again, you don't care at that point. No, I should hope Whatever not. Whatever happens to be around, oh, my God, whoa. In fact, it makes me think of that dinner that I missed at Pompano Park that night when Fat Rich uh, oh, geez. expired. Yeah. Can one even begin to imagine that? I don't want to. I'm sure glad I wasn't there. Let me say it again. This this article here by Mark Caputo in the Herald is so aggravating and so annoying that it just it makes me realize one of the many, many reasons why I don't want to be in Florida any more than I absolutely have to be. The headline is, Floridians might vote on church-state issue. More than 120 years after anti-Catholic bigotry helped lead Florida to ban government aid to religious institutions... A powerful uh, state... Sorry. 
Can I finish? All right. At least the first sentence will be good. A powerful state tax commission will decide Wednesday, tomorrow, whether to ask voters to strike that provision from the state constitution. The so-called no-aid provision led an appeals court in 2004 to cancel the centerpiece of then-Governor Fat-Ass Jeb Bush's voucher program that allowed private religious schools to get state money. The court ruling left the door open to a far more reaching consequence that scores of programs costing millions of public dollars and serving thousands of people could be vulnerable, from Baptist hospitals to Catholic universities to church drug treatment centers to religious voluntary pre-K schools. All it would take is the right lawsuit in the right court, and the state could be in crisis, as former Bush aide and voucher backer Patricia Levesque, who sits on the Taxation and Budget Reform Commission and has proposed eliminating the strict and far-reaching no-aid language, Levesque, that rhymes with Dreck. But opponents such as the State Teachers Union and Church State Separatists say Levesque and religious supporters such as the Florida Catholic Conference are misreading the law, exaggerating the threats to secular programs run by nominally religious groups, and trying to prop up a newer type of voucher program that hasn't been challenged in court and that the legislature wants to double in size. The Getskis will never stop, man. They'll never stop. Try to grab your money and stick their nose into your wallet, into your life, A pox on all you religious nuts. A pox on you, baby. A chicken pox. Still, both sides agree that Florida's no-aid language is stricter than federal principles of separation of church and state, as well as similar prohibitions in other state constitutions. The Florida no-aid clause says that no government revenue shall ever be taken from the public treasury directly or indirectly in aid of any church, sect, or religious denomination in aid of any sectarian institution. Levesque says that language is clear and dangerous to the state's budget if faith-based providers are booted off the job. Faith-based my ass. Faith-based providers. What a term. That's a Bushism, man. Right. Faith-based. Just code for, uh, you know, violating that separation of church and state. Just code for letting the Getskis in the back door. And, boy, there are a lot of them doing that. We're not trying to stir up people, said Levesque, who now works for Jeb Bush's Foundation for Florida's Future. If these things start getting challenged, what are we going to do about it? The state has faith-based providers filling the gap everywhere. Ron Meyer, the Florida Education Association union lawyer who successfully fought Bush's first voucher plan, said removing the no-aid provision or weakening comes at the worst of times, a budget crisis when the state's got too many needs and too little money. We can't pay for state government, but now we're going to pay for religion, Meyer said. That's quite an irony. Meyer said the no-aid opponents have predicted doom and gloom with hospitals and social service providers for years, yet the money, about $250 million a year to the hospitals, has flowed into nominally religious groups. Not only does one have a real reason to sue over the no-aid issue, he said they don't have the grounds. There's a difference between helping someone in an emergency room with medical care at Baptist or Catholic Hospital and taking public money to preach your version of religion in the classroom, he said. The U.S. Supreme Court has already weighed in on vouchers, ruling that an Ohio voucher system that sent money to some religious schools didn't violate the First Amendment, but it also determined in a Washington case that no-aid provisions don't violate it either. In other words, bada-beep, bada-boop, bada-bop, like that. The no-aid provision first appeared in Florida's Constitution in 1885, years after Maine Senator James Blaine exploited anti-Catholic sentiment when he proposed an amendment to the U.S. Constitution in 1875 to ban public financing of religious groups. At the time, many schools were run by Protestants who wanted to slow the spread of Catholicism from Ireland and Italy. The amendment failed, but so-called Blaine amendments made it into 37 state constitutions. Florida's amendment survived a rewrite of the state constitution in 1968, as well as a constitutional revision commission in 98, and no one mentioned Catholics or any other religion pejoratively at the time. 
The state Supreme Court ducked the no-aid issue entirely when it ruled on vouchers, even though the lower appeals court struck the program down on no-aid grounds and specifically asked the justices to examine the issue by noting that other instances of public money going to religious institutions could be affected another time, another case involving its own unique facts. But if the state Supreme Court ruled that the Opportunity Scholarship Program, which gave vouchers to kids at poorly rated schools, ran afoul of a state constitutional provision calling for a uniform, free public schools, the ruling will stand whether or not the no-aid provision is struck. Oh, God, just, I mean, like, like there's some debate about it. Right. Hey, well, what's the now? name of that story? I want a copy of it. Are you starting in like that jerk that the... That's right. I'm starting in. Floridians just might wait. vote on church-state issue. Mark Thank Caputo. Thank you. I'm going to go find it now. I'm in a hero. NeilRogers.com. What? I'm going to NeilRogers.com to well, find Well, good for story. you. I bet you it's on there. If Josh Cordes put all the stories on, but then again, you know him. He might have been out getting drunk and late again last night because that's, you no, know, no. life is a party. Right. seems to me that I'm surrounded by a lot it of people I know who think that life is just a never-ending party. If you, you ain't a part I mean? of it, that's your fault. What? If you ain't a part of it, that's your fault. Oh. Join the party, baby. <laughs> no, not that party. Not the party party. I've already been in that one. I know, me too. <laughs> I think that's I'm done. the party in your pantaloons. <laughs> I know, and everybody's invited. <laughs> Let's see, here's a fax that says, Neil was asking what song Big O was playing when he rapped it. No, I, that's not what I was asking at all. You were in the car, but it was Soldier Boy. Play a little for him. I think the old man will absolutely hate it. No, I, I hate to break the news to you, Paul. That's not what I was talking about at all. He played some, some clip there, some drop-in from somebody. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Do you remember, Chris, what it was? No, I don't. You're talking just now while I was in the uh, magic room. It was room. supposed yeah. to be funny. Oh, I my see. God. It was just, oh... Just, it was so painful, it was enough to make you just bite your teeth so hard they all crunch like chiclets, you know? It was Soldier Boy. The old man will absolutely hate it. Ho, 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 ho. Okay, thank you so much, Paul. Biggest names. The best. Hey, ho, Paul. In his birthday suit, sent a text to a prostitute. All right. Glove on his number one. Got some love right at the mansion. The Talking about pros, black and white, under his big nose, the gunboat, 
set a course for embarrassment and sexual harassment. Dumb. Not knowing lines were tapped like a palm. Who had just been zapped? The It's uh, 1033. Speaking of junk, boy, there sure is a lot of it on that disc, isn't there? 27 before 11 a.m. We've got yeah. DA for uh, JJ, for jerks. And this fax you just sent me from Keith, kind of a crappy fax, isn't it? <laughs> no pun intended. He ran out of toilet paper at the end of his deed this morning, had to waddle into the closet, was thinking of my story about pooping my pants. See, if you want proof that there's no God, there's no way that God would let us crap uh, like this. No, that's not true. It could be a cruel God, you know. No, it's Yahweh, not Yahweh, the Bible God, God. It's a very loving cruel. God. It's a wonderful, loving God. God Although of his wrath, like his wrath waxes hot, Mister. Let me tell you. Ooh, hot wax. His wrath waxes hot. Oh, here's Norma again. Let's see. What does Norma say? Bada boop, bada beep. Oh my God! You know, I, this is what Papajenko. Look what I got. <laughs> so you said. Yes, you're coming down for the Yankee Marlins game. It's pretty funny that outside of the opening day against the Mets, the biggest Marlins pre-sale game this year mm. is the Yankees exhibition game in March. Mm. Oh, get a life. I have no life. Get a life, you no know, silly lady. Here's what I don't understand. Oh, my, what? Here's what I don't understand. When people yes. know that you have no interest in something, and then they keep No, that, that's why he does it. That's yeah, but not why funny. he does it. But he knows it. that it's not funny. No, no, not to be funny, to be annoying. Yeah, but... Ah! Uh-huh. To be annoying. Uh-huh. Like Fat Boy, do you think that he sends me emails yeah, and stuff? Yeah, but Fat Boy's a crazy funny? person. Oh, I see. And Norma? I see. Sorry. I rest my case. Giving him more credit than that. Thanks, Keith. What would Jesus wipe with? That's a good question. What would Jesus wipe with? A white cloud or a shaman? A shroud. White shroud? <laughs> yeah. White shroud. The shroud of Turin. Yeah. <laughs> the shroud of TP. The white shroud of Turin. That's good stuff. It wasn't white for long. It's uh, ten ply. Now that you know, I hate to bring this up because it's a crappy subject, but and, you know, it's our middle name on this show and on this station, of course. Um, what did they use back in the day? When uh, didn't we do this once before? We uh, I think it? we might have. I don't know. But a long time ago, papyrus. I don't know. Papyrus. Papyrus. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what did they wipe with back in the day? I what think, did the Romans uh, wipe with? I don't know. Corn cobs. But you, but you do know what I'm saying. Of course. That if there was really a loving God, that would not be something that would happen. And it certainly couldn't happen like spontaneously like happened to me in the, the Hilton Hotel on Saturday night. After a fine meal at Ruth Chris. Too fine a meal, obviously. See, that's because there is a God because you don't bow down and worship Yahweh the Star God. That's what he does to yeah. you. So I'm going to Google it during the break and find out what the, the history of toilet... We did that, though, didn't we? The history well, we of toilet did, paper. We did the history of the toilet. Uh, no, I don't want do to do the history of the toilet. Although that is another interesting. What kind of toilets did they have back in those days? Where did they uh, well, do had their holes things? in the ground? Remember, we did do that research. Oh, well, in Italy, there's some places where they uh -huh. still do that. Right. Yeah, there's some old buildings where they still. Mm -hmm. You go to the public tea room, and there's like uh, you know, there are urinals, and then there's a yeah. hole in the ground. <laughs> You've heard of places that are like a little hole in the wall. Well, this is a right. hole. In Hole in the ground, and wow. boy, you sure. And you better have a wide stance like Larry Craig. <laughs> and good aim. Oh yeah. 
That's the only way you can have good enough aim. Ooh. You know, this is a crappy topic, but it's yeah. part of life, you know? It's part of life. Yeah, no, it isn't. Happens to the best of us. Yeah, it is. And especially with you, my God. Hey, what These do you think I did all day yesterday? Easter? And then, half of the, uh, and then on Monday, we had an encore presentation, baby. Nothing but eating. Why? Because it was Easter. What else are you going to do? Here. Easter, what, Easter, what did you have? Like uh, ham. ham? Yeah, you bet. Easter ham. Green beans ass, and uh, some mashed potatoes. What would Jesus think about that, eating ham? It's traitor. No, if it was free, he'd probably get some. No, but the, see, that's the irony of the whole thing, is that people are going to eat ham on Easter, and, and Jesus was Jewish. He wouldn't so, eat no ham. You think when we celebrate no Easter... Are you crazy you or think what? that in my house, when we celebrate Easter, we've got anything to do with Jesus? You betcha. With the zombie Jesus raising fact, from the dead? I think the mm-hmm. whole house probably has insomnia Saturday night because you're so excited about getting up Sunday morning and going to church like my crazy Oh, night. yeah. You know something? When oh, I heard yeah. that... <laughs> I mean, the fact that anybody would tell somebody else that without expecting to be Baker-acted and taken away in a rubber room somewhere, Somewhere in a straitjacket. I mean, just in, in, just pathetic, pathetic. All the getchkeys out there, and you people in the media. Oh well, you know this thing with 9/11 with the terrorists and with everything that's going to the so-called war on terror. It's not the war on terror. It's the war against religious fanaticism, and not just Islamofascism against all religions, all the fanatics all the time. Look at the way those getchkeys were carrying on when McCain and Jew Lieberman were there the other day. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. And the rabbi, he was screaming with the beard and the pass and the whole deal. Oh, boy, raise me up. Who's got the hamantash? Wow. And the rest of us, the, the, the handful, the small handful of us who aren't part of this, this group of lunatics. How, and we're supposed to survive it? How the hell do you survive it? And then we come up with that story about what's going on in Florida. People are going to vote on whether or not we can... Uh, yeah, let's just give all our money to the churches. How's that? Let's just give it all to the Pope. Let's give it all to, uh, what's his name, uh, Tom Cruise, for the Scientologists. Boy, pretty sad story. I, I don't care about baseball, normal or the Marlins or any of that other crap. Okay, grow up already, will you please? I have no life. And you wonder why he hasn't got us any kind of a deal? You wonder? You, you don't wonder, do you? <laughs> See, what I wonder about is, see, people know it. See, I'm talking about insanity here now, and I'm not being cute. When people do some things to bother you that they know bothers you, yes, they're not sane people. I know that. I'm not debating that. Am I going to tell you that Norma is sane? I never said that. I'm not being cute. I'm not either. Uh, it's scary. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> this is nothing new. Because it isn't funny. I mean, see, stupidity... Can only it's not so funny. Much. It has nothing to do with dealing with uh, the issues of my Stupidity. life and my career and your life and right. your career and Chicken Neck and whoever else is involved in this program and these zillions of people that we have left out there who in the audience who still enjoy the show for whatever reason and I can't figure out why. Wow. Oh, there's Hank is on CNN again. Nuclear missiles like this, you know, it was funny how his voice uh, goes up when he's on TV. I guess it's kind of like a disguise, you know. Don't you think that's what it is? <laughs> One moment, please. Let me crank the... Uh, oh, yeah, it's all the way up. So these assemblies in themselves are not nuclear. The fact Maybe that Hank is, uh, doesn't have the energy to speak louder than that. Boy, she's like off her feed today. Don't forget, go out and see Georgia Gulfstream on uh, Friday, 10 to 2. Give them some tips. Bring some right. money. Bring a bag of money, too, so you can have some uh, handicap. <laughs>
biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Hell, it damn near killed him. Did you know that Johnny Carson ate Cab Calloway's baby to stay slim? Where did you hear that? I read it in the toilet. Curious people want to know. Did you know there's a place just six feet under the earth where you go when you die? Where did you pick that up? I picked it up in the toilet. Here's what you'll find in the toilet this week. Princess Di gave birth to a 65-pound show horse. John Kennedy's come back in a spaceship with a super new diet. Bert is dating John Hinckley to make Warren jealous. I'm sleeping with Joan Collins and I don't even know it. Where did you read that? In the toilet. The National Toilet. Put a quarter in the slot and we'll wipe the world for you. 1045 at 560 WQM. So our close personal friend Brandon in MySpace sends me, uh, from Wikipedia no less, uh, anal cleansing. The history of? Anal cleansing is the important hygienic practice of cleaning the anus after defecation. Well, you sure can't get much more clinical than that, can you? I guess not. The anus and buttocks may be cleansed with toilet paper or similar paper products, especially in many Western countries. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, water may be used using a jet, as with a bidet, or splashed and washed with a hand. Hmm. In other cultures... In other cultures and contexts, materials such as rags, sand, leaves, including seaweed, sand. the left hand, corn cobs, or sticks are used. That must be where the expression came from, stick it up your... Uh, uh, yeah, right. Now, here we go with paper. The use of toilet paper for post-defecation cleansing is widespread in Western culture. In some parts of the world, especially before toilet paper was available or affordable, the use of newspaper like the Herald, telephone directory pages, or other paper products were common. Well, I sure hope that that ink didn't smear, you know. Old farmer's almanac was sold with a hole punched in the corner so it could be hung on a nail in an outhouse. The widely distributed Sears catalog was also a popular choice until it began to be printed on glossy paper, at which point some people wrote to the company to complain. Boy, you try to wipe your ass with glossy paper. I've heard of dental gloss, floss. In Hervé Bazin's book, Viper in the Fist, a Catholic family uses pages of the Catholic newspaper, La Croix, after tearing off the cross at Calvary. In modern flush toilets, using newspapers, toilet paper is liable to cause blockages. The practice continues today in Africa. While rolls of Western-style toilet paper are readily available, they can be fairly expensive, prompting less well-off members of the community to utilize newspapers, etc., and especially maize cobs, corn cobs. Maybe that's where that expression came from, that corn sure is special, spatial. Ain't it? Oops, water. Indeed. Using water to clean, clean oneself along with toilet paper or sometimes in lieu of toilet paper is common in Europe, most of South America, the Muslim world, and Indian subcontinent, where people use their left hand to clean themselves and their right hand for eating or greeting. In parts, <laughs> what if somebody's left-handed? In parts of Africa, though, the converse is true, and a right-handed handshake could be considered rude. Oh, no. I'm going to stay home. In France, toilet sanitation was supplemented by the invention of the bidet in the 1710s. With the improvements to plumbing in the mid to late 19th century, the bidet moved from the bedroom, where it was kept with a chamber pot, to the bathroom. Modern bidets use a stream of warm water to cleanse the genitals and anus. Before modern plumbing bidets, hey, had a hand crank to achieve this. That's very presumptuous. i got to say, only if you have a hot and cold bidet, because there are cold water-only bidets. 
The bidet is commonplace in many European countries, especially in Spain, France, and Italy. Also in Japan, where about half of all households have a some form of bidet, often combined with a WC in a single appliance. It's also very popular in the Middle East. The use of water in Muslim countries is due in part to Muslim Sharia, which encourages washing after defecation. It's not uncommon to find Southeastern, uh, South Asian and Middle Eastern people express their disgust for the use of only dry toilet paper as they doubt the effectiveness of just wiping with toilet paper and feel it's impossible to completely clean one's anus and that washing is absolutely necessary. Absolutely. Toilet paper is more common today in these households where they often use both toilet paper and water to cleanse themselves. In many countries, a hose with a water sprayer called a Muslim shower or health faucet is used or a pail of water is found instead of a water sprayer. In Japan, a nozzle placed at the rear of the closet aims a water jet to the bottom and serves the purpose of cleaning. However, this arrangement is common only in Western toilets, not in the traditional toilets. Another popular alternative resembles a miniature shower and is also termed a health faucet. It's placed on a holder near the toilet, thus enabling the person using it to have it within arm's length for easy accessibility. In the Philippines and other Southeast Asian countries, such as Thailand, house bathrooms usually have a medium-sized wide plastic dipper or a large cup which is also used in bathing. However, most general households utilize toilet paper, health faucets, or bidets in some rich mansions as well. Some health faucets are metal sets attached to the bowl of the water closet with the opening strategically pointed at the target anus. Rectum. Toilets in public establishments may provide toilet paper for free or dispense, though the dipper or even a cut-up pet bottle or plastic jug or disposed ice cream can can be used for this purpose occasionally encountered in some establishments. A pet bottle or plastic jug? Though most Thais find it difficult not to cleanse their anus with water, most of the shopping malls don't provide health faucets since they're considered to be dirty and could make it hard for them to keep the bathrooms clean. Japanese toilets. Boy, this year goes on and on. The first paperless toilet was invented in Japan in 1980. It's a combination toilet, bidet, and dryer controlled by an electronic panel next to the toilet seat. This has famously led to tourists accidentally activating the bidet and causing a jet of water to shoot high in the air and spray all over the bathroom floor, usually a result of investigating the unfamiliar fixtures' buttons all labeled in Japanese. The fact that some toilets use a button on the same panel to flush exacerbated the problem. Many modern Japanese bidet toilets, especially in hotels and public areas, are labeled with pictograms to avoid the problem. And most newer problems have a sensor that will refuse to activate the bidet unless somebody is sitting, unless there's an ass on the seat. Sitting, that is which I don't think I was doing on Saturday. It was something close to that. But, but before I left, I made sure I cleaned everything off real nice and sanitary. Cause I don't, you know, although I did have my underwears in the corner of the uh, stall there. You know? Yeah. I had to dispense with those. Sure, well, yeah, then, I can only imagine. And then yesterday right. I got chastised by Jack, uh, Jack, Zach, Zach and uh, Chris for not uh, throwing them in, uh, you know, in the proper disposal place as if I was going to worry about finding one. You disposed them in the improper disposal place? Yeah, in the corner of the uh, stall there. Oh, I see. People just tossed them, man. All right, well, I'm not going to And they thought I should. Well, they also both thought that I should have taken my pants to the uh, dry cleaners, you know. Well, that's a different dry cleaner. Get out of here. Oh, instead of your regular dry cleaners? Yeah. What, you're afraid they're going to judge you? Oh, there's that guy. There's that guy. Nobody in their right mind takes a pair of... uh, Crappy pants to the dry cleaner, unless you're a lunatic, all right? You know, don't they have, I mean, I'm, you say that they have a lot of Chinese, so I assume that laundry places yes, where they my, launder my, for you. Yes, my yeah. dry cleaning lady, she's a Chinese lady, yes. Right, yeah. And she's very nice, and she likes me, we get along sure. great, and no if must, I no took fuss. a pair of the pants like that, you know what? she would 
She oh. would see me come yeah. through the door and she would go, ee, like that. I'll wager she's dealt with much worse. You think? I'm sure. Why is that? In the because course she's of Chinese? No, in the, because of the, the nature of the business. You're creating? Because of the nature of the business. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, I, don't, I don't care about other people. They can be. A, right. Look, I'm, I'm certainly not no um, health freak number one, right. no cleanliness freak well. number two, no fashion plate number three, to say the very, very least. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. Even I'm not that much of a slob, I'm going to do something like that. But evidently, Zach is. He was very adamant about it. And he also admitted that in, in, in college he crapped his pants, but he was wearing his shorts in college, you know. And he got on the bus. He got on the back of the bus. See, I was lucky in that regard. It was a holiday weekend, and for whatever reason, the lobby of the Hilton Hotel was almost completely empty. I mean, there was nobody around. Huge, huge lobby. And I'm looking, and I, I wish I had binoculars. Where's the tea rooms? Where's the sign, you know? And, and where's the parking garage? And then adding insult to injury after I go through this whole process. And, of course, I'm still wearing my pants, my soiled pants. Not the underwears, but I'm wearing the pants. And, uh, and, I, and I finally found the parking garage, and now I can't find the car. It took me ten minutes of walking around. I'm on P2. Well, you know, P2 is like the whole floor. It doesn't tell you where the hell you are. I forgot to write down what section, you know what I mean? Right. Because sometimes I'm stupid. Like Mo used to say, sometimes I'm stupid. Of course, he said, you were always stupid. That's right. I'll find it. I'm still wounded by that, too. Yeah, I would I think cry so. cry and cry. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're still here. And Here's the problem with George. Yeah. yeah. He's stupid. Here's the problem with George. Yeah. He's stupid. Here's the problem with George. Yeah. He's stupid. Here's the problem with George. Yeah. He's stupid. Everybody was stupid. See, at least you had a lot of company. Everybody uh, except him. The I whole, know. the rest of the world is out of step except Mo. How come it is that in my life I encounter people like that? I've got one here, you know. The rest of the world is out of step. He's, uh, you know, he knows the answers to everything. Just like, just like Mexico time, you know. If it's eight o'clock, if that's the time for dinner, then that means eight thirty is when we're going to get there, and we did. Now maybe that extra half hour would have given me, uh, you know, a little uh, leeway there. You know what I'm saying? I doubt it, but that's a good excuse. 736 votes. Chris is going to do 1,000 votes today. We couldn't do it yesterday with Zach. They like Zach a lot, but he ain't no George, you know. But then again, who is? Oh, I will say this. He didn't go up. Uh, he didn't get up once during the show, I don't believe, to go uh, Joyce. No, he did it before he joined the show. Right, well, I did, did that really? too. How, now, how do you know? You sure see. Have you got like a, a log, if you pardon the expression? <laughs> All right. Are you keeping track of these okay. things? A log Remember, log. He didn't join the show until about 40, 10, 45. Yeah, because you said he was taking care of post-morning show stuff. Yeah. and That, that was, was one of them. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> he literally, like, put it this way. He was standing over here, like, in the doorway between the two rooms, jumping up and down. Should I go now? Should I not? And he's like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. And he, he like, went running out, and then he came back and was good to go. Yeah. See, that's the thing with us fat people, man. We rejoice a lot. We rejoice. We rejoice. I'm not going to read. I don't like this poll. I only put it on there because I was desperate for a poll, you know, and somebody had sent it in. I don't want to insult them or like that because we appreciate any polls. Now, what about this one we got here today? About which former host would you like to see back? I, I like it. I like it. I noticed, by the way, that you didn't put a new poll on there. I put one on Thursday and then yeah. you worked on Friday. I didn't know I was supposed to. I could have. I had one. <laughs> I think you I'll and Cordis, man, are cut out of the same cloth. I'll save it for next question. Friday. Oh, I'm very well, lazy. You, you don't have to put it on next Friday because I'll well. be here Friday morning for a couple of hours. Right. Unless, of course, you want to do the whole four, four hours. I, I'd rather not, no, especially from down there. don't have Why my toys. That? Because, you know, I'll have to do everything from remote control. 
You know how that is. They have a remote for the uh, slot machines, man. Wouldn't that be great? Ooh. You could sit right there and you could operate the machine. Listen, I'm going to be taking uh, handicapping lessons classes right there on the Whatever happened to that book I was supposed to get? Uh, Yeah, exactly. And I'm positive it's just another one of these. I know your intentions are the best, and there's no doubt in my mind, but... Well, I don't sure want to get you the outdated one. See, that's Will the one. Listen? All right. Go ahead. Can I tell you? All, all right. of these books, they're all the same. I'm sure. They don't tell you anything. I'm sure. They pretend they're going to tell you something. They give you all the history and all, all right. this boring stuff mm-hmm. about the first machines with the fruits and with the this and the that. I know. And, but as far as really telling you, the holy cow, look at that. There's a men's Rogaine foam. Okay. This guy just came out of the shower naked as a jaybird, and he's smearing it all through his hair and the Rogaine, too. <laughs> This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is the brain. Any questions? In Iraq, the trends appear positive, continuing a dramatic decline that began after the U.S. troop surge reached its full strength in the summer. It's the job of the Centurion Press. 21 Americans have died compared to 112. To watch your thoughts about that. That's the second lowest monthly total since the war began. Just keep dreaming of dancing with the stars. Stay focused on yourself and look the other way. I got your spine now. Only 600 Iraqi civilians were killed to a nation that never hung to a murdering by the end of three. Who holds hands with the Saudis like a queen? I back a spine now. So stop complaining. I back a spine now. The surge is working. Civilian deaths are down. Sectarian killings are down. Attacks on American forces are down. The surge is working. you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in. you got to catapult the propaganda, 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 catapult the propaganda, 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 propaganda. That's what Hitler said. Just keep repeating the lie long enough and uh, over and over enough and they'll uh, begin to believe it. That's right. And one good Nazi deserves another. It's 11.03 at 5.60 WQM. Happy Tuesday. Finally, finally, we're out of this holiday thing, man. We had Purim, and we had the first day of spring, and we had we sprung ahead for a daylight savings time, and we had a good Friday and bad Saturday and the Easter Sunday and Easter Monday. That Easter Monday thing, I'm, uh, to me, that's bogus. Yeah, nevertheless. Somebody made it up. So people like you could have the day off and I like just it. pig out. Sweet. Just shovel all that ham oh, yeah. in your throat. Ooh. God's not too happy about that. I'm going to tell you right now, all that ham. Why not? It's trafe. So, more for me. You should oh, take it to Barry Sarner's house and paper the walls with it. No. It was good hands. Now, he's still there. Honey glazed, yeah. Oh, come on. Gary Sarner? No. Why not? What do you mean, why not? When's the last time he sold anything on his show? He sold all that, the national That includes uh, almost everybody, the whole sales department. How about Todd Dreck? Is he still there? You know, I'm not sure. I haven't seen him in a while. 
and Brian Schmutz. Yeah, he's here. Boy, he did a fantastic job with that one account he inherited. Yeah. P.D. Lenny? Oh, yeah, yeah. he's still oh, there. Yeah. Oh, sure. how sad. 747 on the poll about the Brits. They give me the Schmitz, but I'm not, you know, a lot of things give me the Schmitz, like buttered steak. In President Bush's view, former Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein was many things, a developer of weapons of mass destruction, an ally of al-Qaeda, and the guy that tried to kill my dad. Remember that? Tried to kill my daddy. My Paul. Recent intelligence reports have already shot down the first two notions. No WMD stockpiles were found in Iraq after the U.S. invasion, and a just-released Pentagon assessment failed to find any smoking gun link between Sodom and the terror group that plotted the 9-11 attacks. Now, skepticism is newly enveloping allegations of an Iraqi plot to assassinate former President George Herbert Walker Bush during a trip to Kuwait in 1993. Newsweek's Michael Isikoff reports that the same Pentagon report that's essentially disproved an Iraq al-Qaeda link also calls into question the 93 plot that spurred former President Bill Clinton to launch a Tomahawk cruise missile strike against Saddam's Iraqi intelligence service, the IIS. Isikoff writes the review conducted for the Pentagon's Joint Forces Command combed through 600,000 pages of Iraqi intelligence documents seized after the fall of Baghdad, as well as thousands of hours of audio and videotapes of Saddam's conversations with his ministers and top aides. The study found that the IIS kept remarkably detailed records of virtually every operation it planned, including plots to assassinate Iraqi exiles and to supply explosives and booby-trapped suitcases to Iraqi embassies. But the Pentagon researchers found no documents that referred to any plan to kill Bush. The absence was conspicuous because researchers, aware of its political significance, were looking for such evidence. It was surprising, said one source, familiar with the preparation of the report, <coughs> who under Pentagon ground rules was not prevented to speak on record, given how much the Iraqis did document, you thought there would have been some veiled reference to something about the plot, if there was one. Isikov notes that the absence of evidence doesn't prove the Iraqis weren't planning to assassinate the former uh, president, just as former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld famously said about Iraqi WMD never found that the absence of evidence is not absence of uh, evidence. Let me say it again. The absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. God. But his latest report adds to questions that have been raised about the alleged plot since the months before and after the missile strike had inspired. And it goes on and on. In November 93, the New Yorker's tenacious investigative reporter Seymour Hersh reported, My own investigations have uncovered circumstantial evidence, at least as compelling as the Clinton administration, that suggests the American government's case against Iraq, as it has been outlined in public anyway, is seriously flawed. It was all made up. It's a bunch of lies. Bubble mices. This was part of the neocon plan, baby. The Iraq attack. And these people all belong in jail, a whole lot of them from Wolfowitz and Bush and Cheney and a whole bunch of them. And uh, life goes on. What time's Dancing with the Stars on? Oh, there's that uh, screamer again, that uh, Allie Felching. We're glad as well, yeah. All right. Oh, my God. Get her off my screen, please. 750 on the poll. You're going to be way over 800 by noon. Isn't that the barometer we usually uh, check on? Yep, that's usually what it is. You're going to be over 800 by noon. That means by 2 we get over 1,000 votes, and that means uh, I can leave at noon on Friday. And George yeah. can plunge his guts out. Now, you're not understanding what I'm telling you about that book. And believe me, I did. I did read. I read the link that you sent me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand. But still. all these books, they all—they're all the same. They all tell you, oh, it's written by an insider, by the guy who invented them, by the guy who services them, by some technician. And, and I've paid, you know, a, a few hundred bucks. I could have had a good time at Woodbine losing with the money that I've wasted to print out these online books and online articles and all this other crap. And like I said the other day, uh, they say such uh, 
profound things as there's no such thing as a hot or cold machine, and then five paragraphs later, never yeah. leave a hot machine. Now, do you understand that? I, I, I do understand that. And anybody who's ever played the slots, I'm talking about really played them, you know what I mean, like I do, they know that's a bunch of crap, that they go through cycles, you know. They go through cycles because over a period of time they have to pay out a certain percentage, 97 or 88 or whatever the percentage is, 5%. And so there are periods of time. Where, I mean, some of them might be consistently, you know, like uh, pay a certain amount day after day, hour after hour. But that's very rare. What I'm finding is there are some that are like cold as hell for days and days and weeks. And now all of a sudden they go nuts. Like on Sunday I go there and this old Chinese man and his old wife, they're sitting there playing the number two machine, the dollar wheel of fortune, the five times machine. And they get a spin for a thousand. Cold as ice. Now this one, this one is usually cold as ice, but when it gets hot, it goes crazy. So they get a spin for a thousand. They leave. They cash out whatever credits they had. They leave, and I fly over to that machine because I know that that one, when it gets hot, it goes nuts. And sure enough, within 45 minutes, I got a spin for a thousand bucks. I won 1,200 and ran out. How do you like that? Eh? All right. But there's no such thing as a hot machine. Even though it paid 400 several times and it paid a thousand on the line once, a thousand. Of course, there's such a thing. And there are machines that are as cold as ice that are going through that cycle. Of, yeah, you're, you're playing against a computer. Don't you understand this? I do. That's why I get so frustrated with some of these people. Oh, gee, I put in $600 and I didn't get a spell. <laughs> yeah, and I sit there laughing at them. What's wrong with you? Don't you understand all you're doing is feeding a machine that's dead as a doornail right now? It might be that way the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the month. Who knows when that thing's ever going to uh, give, uh, give out, put out. 754 on that Brit pool. I don't like the pool. I, I might just change it. Do you like it? No, not really, but whatever. What about you, Chris? You like it? You like oh, it? I you know, it's fine. It's fine? It's okay. See, Chris likes it because he wants to stick with it until we get to 1,000 votes. Then he'll feel like a big mocker, you know? Exactly. You know, that's that's how I uh, get paid is by the vote, so. Hillary Rodham Clinton advisor James Carville, bald-headed geek, is uh, refusing to apologize. For comparing New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson to Judas. By the way, Bill Richardson's going to be uh, Barack Obama's running mate. Don't you think that's good for the uh, Hispanic vote? Okay. Never stole a freight train. Sure. We'll have to shave off that beard and mustache, though. Carville made the comparison to the New York Times after Richardson, once a member of President Clinton's cabinet, endorsed Hillary's rival Barack Obama last week for the Democratic presidential nomination. Carville called it an act of betrayal and pointed out it came during Holy Week. Mr. Richardson's endorsement came right around the anniversary of the day when Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. About 30, man! So I think the timing's appropriate if ironic, he said. Richardson told Fox News Sunday he wouldn't respond by getting in the gutter like that. That's typical of many of the people around Senator Clinton, Richardson said. They think they have a sense of entitlement to the presidency. Carville told CNN yesterday that Richardson committed an egregious act and he intended to make a sharp response to it. I wanted to use a very strong metaphor to make my point, Carville said. I doubt if Governor Richardson and I will be particularly close in the future. Well, I'm sure Governor Richardson doesn't give a crap. How do you like that? Especially with your smarmy right-wing wife. Clinton's spokesman Howard Wilson told reporters yesterday he didn't agree with Carville's comment. If he had said I would have, if he said, if I, I had said it, I would apologize, Wilson said. I didn't say it, and if I had, I would, but that's up to him. If I had, I would, and didn't, and doesn't, and all that. Richardson served as ambassador to the U.N. Energy Secretary during the Clinton administration. And he's supporting Obama. He's going to be the VP. You'll see. Write it down on your wrist. Like, like a small tattoo. 
Oh, and you weren't here yesterday, so you did this amazing piece of news. Remember I told you about my friend David from my high school that came up with his girlfriend? We went to Ruth Chris a couple of years ago. Correct, Probably yes. three, four years ago. Yes. Like a little a mini, miniature class mm-hmm. reunion. Mm-hmm. And we got along just fine. It was great, and we had a good time. And I kept in touch with him, you know, over the time with a few emails here and there. Not that much, but once in a while. He sent me an email. I was coming back from Woodbine on Sunday. And here I told you this little episode with the tattoo with uh, Paco. Yes. And I get an email from Dave telling me about a letter to the editor that he sent me a copy of. He sent me the link. When I got home, I clicked open the link, and it's a letter to the editor of the Canandaigua Daily Messenger newspaper, and it's written by Lauren B. Helfer, who is the daughter of one of my cousins. I never heard of her. I didn't really? know her existence. And it was about tattoos, and she was taking issue with an article in the newspaper from days before ripping tattoos, and she said she had nine of them. Wow. And they were all to memorialize her uh, grandpa and mom. Huh. And, uh, you know. Is she hot? I don't know. I have no idea how old she is or who she is. How do I know if she's hot? That's all George cares about. Is she hot? Could you find out? Biggest name. I don't even know if she's lukewarm. Could you find out? No. Please? No chance. Good morning, Americans. It's Paul Harvey. Stand by for news. Kevin is the trucker, and as he stops for a red light, Heather, a blonde, catches up, jumps out of her car, runs up to his truck, and knocks on the door. Kevin lowers his window, and the woman says, Hello, my name is Heather, and you are losing some of your load. I'll say it again. Hello, my name is Heather, and you are losing some of your load. Kevin ignores her and proceeds down the street. When the truck stops for another red light, Heather catches up again, jumps out of her car, runs up, and knocks on the door again. Kevin lowers his window. As if they have never spoken, the woman says, Hello, my name is Heather, and you are losing some of your load. Shaking his head, Kevin ignores her again and continues down the street. Well, at the third red light, the same thing happens. When the light turns green, Kevin revs up his truck and races to the next light. When he stops this time, he quickly gets out of his truck and runs back to Heather's car. He knocks on her window, and she lowers it. Then he says, Hello, my name is Kevin. It's winter in Canada, and I'm driving the salt truck. Paul Harvey. Good day. Good day. How do you like that? That's good. It is winter. We're going to get uh, two mm. to five centimeters, five to ten centimeters of snow today and tonight. Okay. Don't you think it's a little bit late for that? It's the 25th of March already. Don't you think it's a little bit freaking late? Not that it doesn't snow even in April, you know. Hey, that's what happens. That's too much, goes. baby. Way too much. That's what I was screaming in the Hilton Hotel Saturday night. Hey, my name is Neil, and I'm losing some of my load. I mean, I smelled so bad. I just, there are just yeah. no words to describe it. Crap. That's what I smell like. I mean, when you smell that bad that you can't stand it yourself, then you know you smell really, really bad like, Crap. like oh, I don't want to keep rehashing it. Mm-mm. 769 on the Brit Pole speaking of hash. Boy, that, that's another thing about their great cuisine. Oh, God. Maybe that's why they act like that, because they eat too much garbage. Right. That makes sense. Capitol Hill Blue, lies, damn lies, and Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yeah, she's making up all kinds of wild stories now. Great. Democratic presidential pretender Hillary Rodham Clinton is drowning in her own sea of lies, undone by exaggerated claims of being under fire in Bosnia, waterlogged by her hype, murdered by her own mendacity. Says Cat, this isn't Doug Thompson. This is just uh, Capitol Hill Blue. An editorial, I guess. After months of lying outright about being under fire in Bosnia during a visit while serving as First Lady, Clinton now tries to dismiss the gaffe as a misstatement. 
But her lies about landing in Bosnia, snipers took pot shots at her, and her entourage are just part of a pattern of misstatements, misinformation, and outright falsehoods, better known as lies. Indeed, her quest to replace George W. Bush, easily one of the most dishonest presidents in American history, appears to be based on nothing more than a strategy of replacing one liar with another. Reports Michael Dobbs in the Washington Post, Hillary Clinton's been regaling supporters on the campaign trail with hair-raising tales of a trip she made to Bosnia in March 96. In her retelling, she was sent to places that her husband, President Bill Clinton, couldn't go because they were too dangerous. When her account was challenged by one of her traveling companions, the comedian Sinbad, she upped the ante and injected even more drama into the story. In a speech earlier this week, she talked about landing under sniper fire and running for safety with our heads down. But a check of print and video reports of that day in Bosnia tell a different story. Michael Dobbs continues, As a reporter who visited Bosnia soon after the December 95 Dayton Peace Agreement, I can attest that the physical risks were minimal during this period, especially at a heavily fortified U.S. air base such as Tuzla. Contrary to the claims of Hillary Clinton and former Armor Secretary Togo West, Bosnia was not too dangerous a place for Bill Clinton to visit early 96. In fact, the first Clinton to visit the Tuzla Air Base was not Hillary, but Bill on January 13, 96. Had Hillary Clinton's plane come under sniper fire in March 96, we would certainly have heard about it long before now. Numerous reporters, including the Washington Post's John Pomfret, covered her trip. A review of nearly 100 news accounts of her visit shows that not a single newspaper or TV station reported any security threat to the First Lady. As a former AP wire service hack, I can safely say it would have been my lead in anything like that happened, Pomfret said. According to Pomfret, the Tuzla Airport was one of the safest places in Bosnia in March 96 and firmly under the control of the 1st Armored Division. Far from running to an airport building with their heads down, Clinton and her party were greeted on the tarmac by smiling U.S. and Bosnian officials. An eight-year-old Muslim girl read a poem in English. An Associated Press photograph of the greeting ceremony shows a smiling swillery bending down to receive a kiss. There is peace now, the girl told Clinton, according to Pomfret's report in the Post the next day, because Mr. Clinton signed it, all this peace, I love it. Yeah, he always liked a good piece. The First Lady's schedule, released on Wednesday by the National Archives, confirmed she arrived in Tuzla at 8.45 in the morning and was greeted by various dignitaries, including Amin, the little girl, whose name has been mysteriously redacted from the document. Footage from CBS shows Clinton walking calmly out of the back of the C-17 military transport plane that brought her from Rammstein Air Base in Germany. Among the U.S. officials on hand to greet Clinton at the airport was Major General William Nash, commander of U.S. troops in Bosnia. Nash told me he was unaware of any security threat to Swillery during her eight-hour stay in Tuzla. He said, however, that Clinton had a busy schedule and may have gotten the impression that she was being hurried. Sinbad, who provided entertainment on the trip along with singer Cheryl Crow, said the scariest part was deciding where to eat. As he told Marianne Akers of the WashingtonPost.com, I think the only red phone moment was to eat here or at the next place. He questioned the premise behind the Clinton version of events. What kind of president would say, hey, man, I can't go because I might get shot, so I'm going to send my wife. Oh, and take a guitar player and a comedian with you. Don Jackson, an Air Force journalist filming the event in Bosnia, told Dobbs, Mrs. Clinton arrived to a flight line full of well-wishers, both military and civilian, accompanied by her staff as well as comedian Sinbad and singer Cheryl Crow, who were there to entertain the troops. To set the record straight, there was no enemy fire, no imminent danger. If there had been any danger, well-wishers would not have been allowed on the tarmac, much less allowing me to stand above everyone else on the back of a truck. And Sinbad and Cheryl Crow wouldn't have been running for their would have been running for their lives instead of taking the time to be interviewed by yours truly on the tarmac. Mrs. Clinton's claim is, uh, claim is a lie, plain and simple, a lie. Clinton now dismisses the whole thing as a simple misstatement. In response to questions from the Philadelphia Daily News, she said, "Now let me tell you, I don't want to read it." We already know it. Slip of the tongue. 
But there's a slight problem with their claim that the whole thing was a slip of the tongue. Dobbs also reports, last week wasn't the first time Clinton talked about sniper fire in Bosnia. She's provided various different versions of the incident along with her campaign trail and in her autobiography, Living History. In the New York Times account of a campaign rally in Waco, Texas, February 29, she said that the welcoming ceremony had to be moved inside the Tulsa Airport building because of sniper fire. She made a similar statement in Dubuque, Iowa, back in December, and it goes on. She's a freaking liar, desperate, grasping for straws. She's got to show the world what a gutsy leader she is. She's got the big balls, baby. She's got the big pair. Swillery. Desperate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and by the way. Yeah, and shrill, and annoying, and got no chance. But other than that, all of these things, no chance in her pants. 780 on the poll, Chris. Which, are the, uh, which is the silliest thing? What is the silliest thing about the Brits? The whole royal family thing, 364. The rest of the world, except for those countries where they still have queens. Although they have a queen in the Netherlands, but they don't... You know, it's just a ceremonial thing. Yeah. As opposed to in England, where they still, still bow down and curtsy yeah. and like... Or oh, with their heads. The whole royal family thing, 364, the Battenbergs. They actually followed us into war for oil, 149. That was Tony Blair. Their teeth, 76. They, they drink warm beer, 68. Their obsession with football, soccer. A nice, that's going Eric change the spelling of football, 38. They seem to actually care what the French think, 34. The way they talk, 33. They invented language, they can't speak it. And the silly way they use the word bloody, the bloody Brits, 18. 18 bloody Brits on the wall. Biggest name. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. Grab my junior, honey. All right. Once there was this kid who could stick his hand under his arm and make disgusting sounds and then he'd stick his tongue out then he turned his eyelids inside out he drank a glass of milk from a straw stuck up WQM, it's the once very famous and popular Neil Rogers show on QAM. We got uh, DA for uh, jerks at 2 this afternoon. So you'd like a little bit of a reprieve there from all that uh, crap. I changed the poll. Yeah. Let me go vote. I don't really care whether you know. I know you're not excited about it. But I bet you Chris is like, well, see, this guarantees. I mean, we already had a thousand licks. So we got it in the bag now. 
It was just in the bag now because now we got two different polls. Here's the final result on that first one that I didn't like at all, and I apologize for putting it on there. All of it had a lot of votes. What's the uh, silliest thing about the Brits? The whole royal family thing, 368. They followed us in War for Oil, 152. Their teeth, 76. They drink warm beer, 68. Their obsession with soccer, 38. The way they talk, 34. They actually seem to care what the frogs think, 34. And the silly way they use the word bloody, the bloody Brits, 18 out of 788. Here's the new poll, which we did uh, years ago. I'm going back into the vaults and picking right. out these oldies from years ago. Like that one we did a few days ago that we had done 10 years before. Remember that? Wow. Almost to yeah. the day. When Neil or George talks about religion, blank. It's interesting, six. I love it, six. I turn it off, one. It pisses me off, none, out of the first 13. I turn okay. it off. That's because they can't handle the truth. How come we don't have a, uh, a choice on there for the uh, ambivalent people? You know, one that says, or I don't care, something like that. Is it because you don't care? I'll say maybe we lost him again. Yeah, we yeah. lost the line again. Zach was just telling I'm me gone. that story. What? He was just telling me that story about how uh, you guys kept uh, losing each other yesterday. Well, we didn't keep doing it, but it happened once, and now I'm trying to call him on the bat line to get on the air, and he's not answering the bat line. Well, and Clarence yeah. calls me on my regular home phone line. I have to run in the other room. Oh, uh, we phone? lost the line. I said, tell uh, Fatso in here to pick up the bat line. I'm trying to call him. Oh, uh, Fatso, pick up the line. Yeah, well, I picked it up right as you hung up. So, And then just, just as you picked it up, the uh, line came back on. We had every kind of technical malfunction at the junction yesterday. And, of course, uh, there are those people out there speculating, well, it's because we had the Canes game over the weekend. It, we don't have to have any other game. It's just because we have a bunch of children in there playing uh, uh, like with an erector set. Where, you know, here you go. Here's the radio station. It's a play toy. You know, that, that's what goes on at QAM. Clarence and his little boyfriends, all his little underling, hundred, hundred dog underlings, mm-hmm. his hundred dog friends. And Joe Rose is back playing jury, jury duty again. I, I don't understand so many things, but you know something? A long time ago, I gave up trying. Right. Wasn't that the that was the mm-hmm. smart move? It's the smart move. Tessie was always smarter. I always thought it would have been Clemenza. Remember the way Robert Duvall said that? That's right. He had that look on his face that uh, like, yeah, something's going on over here, and it was. They want a meeting where I'll be safe on Tessio's grounds, where I'll be assassinated. <laughs> That was on again. Uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah, they were all on again. I forget what network. I mean, don't you think it's a, even now I'm getting a little bit uh, sour on that. Don't you think it's a little bit too much? No, it can never be. Yeah, I'm sorry. And then Godfather 3 was on again. E. And there was the scene with Eli Wallach and the assassin priest and his son, the donkey son, you know? Mm-hmm. Eeyore. And he was, uh, oh, que fine, oli, oli, like that. You know, Eli Wallach, the worst actor in the history of, and talk about overrated. There are people uh-huh. who actually think he's a good actor. Right. Boy, the only good acting scene was when he did the cannolis. And even he was doing the donkey thing then. Instead of just croaking, he went, like that. But the scene in the, in the Atlantic City Casino, when the hit is going to come, when, when Joey Zaza gets pissed off, you won't uh, give, I will take. And he goes, oh, maybe I can, we can reason together, Michael. And uh, there goes Eli Wallach. What was his name? Don, uh, Don Schwartz. Tomasino. No, that was, he wasn't Don Tomasino. Oh, he was, um, 
Don uh, Hamasino. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And he goes waddling out with his cane. Oh, I thought we could reason together. Oh, yeah. It was, it was brutal. It was a very... Horrible. And that was right at the beginning of the movie. And no, it wasn't. Started it. Yeah, sure. It wasn't right. at the very beginning of the it movie, the very... scene in Atlantic City where they have the hit? Yeah, it was very close to the beginning. I Get out of here. It was I'm like leaving. in the middle, right in the middle of the movie. Well, I only saw it once. Seemed like the very beginning. Well, you better see it again. No, I don't. No, no, don't make me. A corporate watchdog group has started a nationwide voting campaign to name in shame companies that run afoul of economic and environmental laws. Opening the polls on its website this week, the Boston-based Corporate Accountability International, CAI, organization, urged consumers to select the most abusive corporations of 2008. We believe all the nominees deserve this infamous dishonor, said CAI Executive Director Kelly Louillier, some frog name, but we look forward to seeing which corporations voters select as the worst of the worst. The group's nominees for its annual Corporate Hall of Shame elections included big names like Archer Daniels Midland, Toyota, Countrywide, Mattel, Nestle, Blackwater, Walmart, and Wendy's. Louillier describes the Hall of Shame vote as an effective way to hold corporations accountable for major abuses of the public interest and call politicians to task. The eight corporations named by CAI are accused of influencing elected officials, undermining democratic decision-making, and endangering the environment and public health. Global warming, war profiteering, and predatory lending figure prominently in the polls. The group expects record turnout this election season before polls close on July 4th. It said more than 20,000 took part in its polls last year, which named ExxonMobil, Halliburton, and Walmart as the worst abusers in the corporate world. Tubman Dreard. Last year, a report released by the environmental group Greenpeace International said massive deforestation in Indonesia is responsible for 1.8 billion tons of carbon emissions every year, which is about 4% of the world's total greenhouse gas emissions. Although I guarantee you what I did on Saturday, there was some heavy gas emission there in that Hilton lobby. My God. A day that will live in infamy. Now, I'm taking those pants to the cleaner, but I did put them in the washing machine and okay. put in the dryer on slow cook. Good. But, but they don't seem right, you know. And then every, I got a couple of faxes yesterday. Oh, when you take those to the dry cleaner they'll, uh, and launder them, they'll, they'll come back to life, you know. They seem like lifeless, right. like uh, that they don't feel right, you know what I mean? Well, they will or they won't. They feel kind of Either crappy. way, I think you'll uh, live. My pants will live on? Somehow. That'll, that'll teach me to get, you know, like expensive pants. If you get wearing like, uh, like the corduroys that I'm wearing now... Really, you wear corduroys right now. Did if you wear those, you just throw them in the washer and you put them in the dryer. Yeah. They're like brand new. There's no problem. You don't have to like dry clean them. You know that this is the this is the problem with people who want everybody to dress real spiffy. You know. Do they make that, that? You have to dry clean everything. It's a scam. It's they a make Chinese that sound? scam. Do your corduroys make that sound when you walk? That zip. zip yes, they do. Yeah. Zip, 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 Get a lot of friction going it there. It sounds like you're farting, as a matter of fact. Uh huh. Get a lot of heat. Get a lot of friction. Which is good. Keep some of the pain in the ass bystanders away. Right. And start a fire. Yeah, smoke and on the water, right. Wreck them. <laughs> 46 votes on the new poll. I feel so much better about this one. The other one was embarrassing. It was almost like uh, Tootsie Footsie. And by the way, Footsie's website is uh, history now. You have to go to the IOD uh, uh, website and link to his. His uh, footystreet.com belongs to somebody else now. So evidently, uh, I don't know what the deal was with that. But boy, he, you talk about bogus. My God. What kind of swirl are they putting on the air over there? Of course, you could ask the same. How are those new sports stations doing, by the way? I'm not hearing nothing about them or about the guys across the street or about us either, for that matter. When Neil or George talk about religion, 
I love it, 21. It's interesting, 18. I turn it off, 6. It pisses me off, too, out of the first 47 votes. I turn it off. Ah! The Lord's going to get you. You're going to burn in hell. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Lord even loves Neil Rogers. Uh, thanks for coming with me uh, to the robo-prostate exam, Gildy. Don't mention it, Mo. Yeah, it's a little scary, you know. Kind of like being in a gay intensive sports radio station. <laughs> yeah. There, there's something I've been meaning to give you. Here. Ooh, a solid gold cane. Yeah. Gold is worth a fortune these days. That's very generous. Thanks, Mo. And it's not just any solid gold cane. It's got a rich, creamy chocolate inside. Do you feel it here? I am your prostate examination robot. Prepare to be approved. Okay. Hey, Doc, I think what you need is a diagnostic adjustment. Uh, a diagnostic adjustment complete. Assume anal stick stand. <laughs> yeah, okay. Initiating anal probe. <laughs> what, no dinner? <laughs> Tell me I know you're behind this. No man should be treated this way. Ah, you get used to it. It's 11.46, 14 till noon at 5.60 WQM. We were debating yesterday whether we ought to have Mo back, like maybe to fill in those 8.30 to 10 slots while Joe Rose is pretending to have jury duty again. That sounds good. And Zach thought it was a great idea, and Chris thought mm-hmm. it was great, too, although he hasn't had that much interaction with the Molemeister. No, well, he, he's missed out. Yeah. Make up for lost times, I think, and get on his right. Schmidt list Sticking immediately. Up, making up for lost time and Schmidt. Just the fact that you work on his show would immediately put you on his Schmidt list, right. which I'm sure it already has for everybody else in the building. Right. Am I right? You're right. Chris would answer, but he's... Uh, he's not there? No, it's uh, happening to all of us today. I think really? you, you started it yesterday, and it's just catching up with the rest no, of the No, Saturday show. started. Oh, what a, really? Saturday night. Okay, early start then. So everybody's uh, rejoicing and rejoicing all yeah, the holiday rejoicing. season. Rejoicing the Lord always. Oh, yeah. Former Vice President Walter Mondale today accused the current Vice President, Dick Cheney, of a wholesale assault on the Constitution, the balance of powers, and the system that evolved since WW2 to coordinate intelligence and defense policy. If Chris Matthews can say Cheney and nobody uh, chews him out for it, I'm going to start saying Cheney. They wrecked that system, Mondale said this morning at a University of Minnesota scholarly conference on the vice presidency. This isn't some academic difference of opinion over the proper balance between branches of the federal government, Mondale said, during a Q&A session after his prepared remarks. I think this was a brutal, deliberate policy to ignore a wide range of written laws and constitutional principles and the legitimate powers of Congress. It's different than anything we've seen in American history. I think it ought to be seen not as two responsible positions, but ought to be seen as a dramatic challenge to America's system of government. In the case that led to the conviction of Cheney's top aide, Lewis Scooter Libby Mondale said Cheney functioned as ideological enforcer, silencing dissent, punishing critics to sustain a flawed word policy based on cooked facts. It's all there, he said. Read the case. Mondale challenged an occasional theme that arises in interpreting the Cheney vice presidency, holding that because Cheney had no presidential ambitions of his own, he was more useful and faithful to the president. On the contrary, Mondale argued, this freedom from higher political ambition freed Cheney to disrespect the Congress, the American people, and the law. Mondale said the other morning Mr. Cheney was on Good Morning America. A reporter asked him, well, polls now show that two-thirds of American people are opposed to this war. Shouldn't that mean something? And Cheney said, so... 
I know maybe he didn't say it correctly or say it the way he meant it, and I don't say that public opinion should govern everything, but public opinion deserves respect, and the president and the vice president ought to be worried about it, Mondale said. I think our vice president ought to wake up every morning like I did, wondering what he can do to enhance public support and respect, and I believe an election-free, unaccountable vice president clothed with some of the aura and power the president may, as this vice president has, act as though he were beyond accountability to anybody but the president, beyond the reach of the Congress, the court, the press, the Constitution, and the American people. It scares me, and I think we ought to be thinking about this fall as we pick a vice president, Mondale be saying. In a blistering close to his 30-minute presentation at the Humphrey Institute for Public Policy, Mondale said that in looking back on his tenure as Jimmy Carter's vice president, he took pride in three claims. We told the truth, we obeyed the law, and we kept the peace. The Bush-Cheney administration, Mondale said, can't say any of that with a straight face again about those first four years, and it's cost us terribly. Let's not make that mistake again. Amen to that. I mean, you're going to have uh, John uh, Insane McCain and Jew Lieberman, no doubt. Won't that be something, huh? Joined at the hip. Maybe he could be the Secretary of Judaism, Jew Lieberman. Think? Oh, I think Paul. I would make a fine yeah, president he just, of He's Israel. scary. Every time I see him, I get spookies, yeah. man. I, oh, I feel unclean. Like Saturday. You got Belkies? Like Saturday, I feel like I've got... Oh, what was The Hills? Have you ever seen that show on MTV? I saw it last night. I was forced into watching it. Is it uh, is that the one where the people are thieves? They're what? No, that's the riches. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, no. Chris is back from his Joyce. Yes. Now, did you wipe with your left hand or your right hand? Uh, my right. Paper or no paper? Paper. Oh, good. That's a good step in the right direction. And then I wash my hands. Well, I would sure hope so. Well, not everybody does right here. How do you know that? Because there will be people that will go in and walk straight out the door. That's right. They're not even on the air. They're not even in a hurry. Maybe they only took a leak in there. You're not one of these guys that washes your hands every time you take a leak. If I go into the bathroom, I'm washing my hands before I walk out. Well, why is that? Why do you say? You say 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 one of these guys. Most people are one of those people. Male, female, you name it. And why is that? Because other people do their business. They make messes, and then they touch everything. Correct. What are you touching when you when you go in the flush the toilet? Listen to me. No, you don't flush the toilet. The urinal? That's old. That's old-fashioned. You don't flush when the urinal. When you go to the urinal, you flush the uh, urinal. How yeah. disgusting is Neil? Let us count the ways. He doesn't only, flush. Only he doesn't wash. Get out of here! Only old. He messes his pants and then he wads the bug. Automatic flush. Now they got the magic the underwear, eye, baby. Not they here. Got the not eye here. Aimed at your fly. Not here. They don't have no electric because eye beam. There's a spy on the other side. They don't have no electric laser beam here. Yeah. So you're that worried about the germs you're going to get off the handle from being that worried? It's just Listen, being clean. You want to touch other men's urine? Oh, being the rest clean, of us don't. Yes, will you stop? I wish. It's just being sure. clean. You want to touch other what men's urine? What about panty waste? And you we talk don't. about me being, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, panty well, that's, that's why you like touching other men's urine, and we don't. must be a gay thing. We killed him. No, I don't think so. He's just <laughs> trying to come to terms with the urine that's all over his head. Yeah, oh, yeah. You got the wrong talk show guy, okay? Go over and see your buddy, Mr. Ego, in the urine <laughs> Yeah, <lady>. my buddy. <laughs> yeah, you're a good buddy, Mr. Ego. Yeah. Now, were you there when he was uh, working with us in the afternoons? Oh, over at IOD? Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was trained on his show oh, my by your goodness. favorite, oh, my God. your wow. first producer, Nick Lawrence. Mm. Mm-hmm, I know. Were you taking Talk a drink? about a good, a good aroma. Yeah, <laughs> didn't could mean put to choke you, you up there. Coma. Uh-huh. Wow, I almost lost it when you said that. <laughs> now, is that when he was still smacking his lips with the peppercorn sauce and the uh, Parmesan cheese? Rock and roll. Yeah. All his free meals at Burton Jack's. Boy, I don't know what he's doing now. 
Him and his 85 adopted kids, I, I, don't I have no know. idea what they're I doing. Don't know. I, what I, a, I don't what care. What a scam. What a phony human being. Yes. I mean, it's one thing to put on an act for the show, mm-hmm. but uh, most people stop when they get put on Put on an act. Like, for life. For act everyone. of the show, uh-huh. yeah. Right. Whole life whole life an act. Been an act. That's true. And what about those Dristan bottles? Yeah, what about that? Of the 28,000 commercial airline flights that take to the skies on an average day in the U.S., fewer than 1% are protected by onboard armed federal air marshals. A nationwide CNN investigation has found the headline, Air Marshals Missing from Almost All Flights. Oh, my God. That means that a terrorist or other criminal bent on taking over an aircraft will be confronted by a trained air marshal on as few as 280 daily flights, according to more than a dozen federal air marshals and pilots interviewed by CNN. The investigation found those low numbers, even as the TSA in recent months has conducted tests in which it's been able to smuggle guns and bomb-making materials past airport security screeners. The Air Marshal program began in 1970 after a rash of airline hijackings and was expanded significantly after the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Specifically, especially trained to safeguard passengers and crew aboard crowded aircraft, Air Marshals were seen as a critical component in the overall effort to secure America's commercial aviation system. One pilot who crisscrosses the country and flies internationally told CNN he hasn't seen an Air Marshal on board one of his flights in six months. A federal law enforcement officer who is not affiliated with the Air Marshal Service and who travels in and out of Washington every week said he has gone for months without seeing a marshal on board. Neither individual wanted to be identified because neither was authorized by his employer to speak out, and they both valued their lives. Yet another pilot who wanted to protect his identity because he carries a weapon in the cockpit said he regularly flies in and out of New York's airports and almost never encounters an air marshal. I would have to guess it's fewer than 1% of all my flights, the pilot said. I'm guessing by the coverage when I go out of these cities, fewer than 1%. Air marshals who spoke with CNN anonymously in order to protect their jobs are especially troubled by the lack of coverage on flights in and out of Washington and New York, the two cities targeted by the 9-11 hijackers. Marshals, pilots, other law enforcement officials told CNN, these flights are protected by far fewer air marshals than in the past. The TSA refuses to release either the total number of marshals regularly assigned to flights or percentage of daily flights that are covered, but call the numbers given to CNN a myth. As in, like, here she comes, Myth America. Greg Alter, assistant special agent in charge of the Federal Air Marshal Program, denied CNN an on-camera interview with Dana Brown, director of the, F- of the Federal Air Marshal Service. Since the Federal Air Marshal Service post-9-11 expansion, the volume of risk-based deployments has consistently remained at near or exceeded target levels, Alter wrote in an email to CNN. He added today many thousands of dedicated and highly trained Federal Air Marshal Service workers that work diligently around the globe to make air travel safer than it's ever been. But Alter didn't specify what those target levels are, and those inside the Marshal Service say they are nowhere near thousands of air marshals working the skies. Air marshals told CNN that while the TSA tells the public it can't divulge numbers because they're classified, the agency tells its own agents that at least 5% of all flights are covered. But marshals across the country, all of whom spoke with CNN on condition of anonymity because they didn't want to get fired, said the 5% figure quoted to them by their TSA bosses is not possible. One marshal said that while security is certainly one reason the numbers are kept secret, he believes the agency doesn't want taxpayers to know the truth. I would be very embarrassed by the numbers if they were to get out, one air marshal said. How do you like that? Like that Rick Sanchez song, One in a Million. Mm-hmm. You know that song? Rick Sanchez yeah, sold a well, zillion copies. Right. Ricky Ticky Sanchez, another crazy person on CNN, as if they needed any more. Mm-hmm. 82 votes on the poll. When Neil or George talk about religion, I love it, 38. It's interesting, 30. I turn it off, 10. It pisses me off, 4. Damn it. Biggest name. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Well, uh, it beat at 12 to 1 hour on WQAM. Well, I never thought I'd find the kind of ride that I've been tooling around in today. 
Now in the classic set of wheels fixed up the way a brother would like it. Now in the green and shiny and the trim is gold and a dye's not the seat. I got the can of liquid cherry yolk. Aw, oh, baby. Coconut, granada, cherry, chariot, me, baby, blue. Aw, baby. Shiny little velvet, little smelly machine. Took the suspension out, so I bounced down the road in a pit that is super flyway. Now it'll be hard to stop, no big deal. Someday I'll get around to fixing the brakes. A 1979 Mom Paul Catalina. She's so looking fine now, it's my baby Cadillac. Aw, baby. Coconut, granada, cherry, chariot, me, baby blue. Aw, baby. Shiny little, velvet little, smelly machine. Yo! Got my windows down on a hot summer day Cause the AC don't work no way The sweaty crash with our seats starts to smell And gets the dusty working overtime I'm on my back and you find a shiny ground That smell like lime That's my coffee shiny too Cause I'll be washing it with Amaro Oh baby Oh 